millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You and Patterson, have you heard about Squeaker Game? It's not Squid Game. Have you heard about it? Squeaker Game. Squeaker Game. It's like S U I K A. I noticed it was number one in the eShop charts on the, Ninten- on the Nintendo store. And I was like, what the hell is this? I've not heard about this. No one's emailing me about Squeaker stuff. So I downloaded it. Have you heard? Have you seen the, the emerging fruit drop genre that no, this is from? Fruit drop genre sounds like some new PR language that you're inventing here. And also, people email you? <laughs> Well, people email about like whatever's going on, latest releases, things like that, but no one from the Suica Massif got in touch, so it was up to me to do my own primary research. My point is that I've discovered the fruit drop genre. That was what took up most of my weekend, um, and I'm going to tell you all about it. We're also going to get to whatever news is going on in the industry. Um, this is the wind-up, you know, et cetera, all sorts of intros. I'm Scott Tilford. That's you and Patterson. How are you doing? I'm doing good, mate. I mean, I'm pretty fluey. I don't know if people can hear <laughs> the, 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 the glog, the glug. Hong Kong fluey. The Hong Kong fluey, literally, right now. Number one sickness guy. That is me. <laughs> I think you sound pretty great, but I guess we'll see how you go. If you need a minute to do some sneezing, do some stuff. Um, yeah, Sweeker game, because we're going to open on stuff that we've been playing. We've both been playing Robocop Rogue City, which continues to low-key be one of the best games of the year. Um, that thing's awesome. I've been playing a lot of Sweeker game, which I just wanted to randomly mention, because I guarantee there'll be some people out there who have seen this thing in the charts, wondering what the living hell it is. Um, and then we'll get to all the different uh, news topics that are doing the rounds as well. But yeah, Sweeker game. That thing, if you haven't seen, uh, is just a game about dropping various pieces of fruit into like a little container. And if two types of the same type are next to each other. It's all physics-based, so you're sort of dropping them in, they all kind of cascade together, and if two types are the same type, they merge into the next evolution of that shape, that that fruit piece, and you want to get all 12 evolutions all the way through to try and get as many points so as you can. So, what I'm getting from here right now, Scott Telford, yeah. and I could be completely wrong, is that it's a mixture <laughs> of Tetris and Pokemon, but it's a Pokemon it's fruit. Yeah, literally. And it's just like, and once you start Googling, because I, I went on my phone, I was like, I need this on my phone. I've got it on my Switch. I need it in as many places as possible. There are 50, 60 clone versions of this thing that are doing the rounds. And I don't even know if Suica Game, as it's called on the um, eShop, um, spelled S-U-I-K-A. And I don't even know if that's the original. I don't know if that's someone else getting in on it. And then they've managed to get at the top of the eShop chart. It was only £2 to buy it. Um, but I also managed to get, there was a monkey version that I got on my phone. But it just seems like it's this explosion of the hashtag fruit drop genre that is a, is a whole thing Mate, and I, I'm, I'm on board with it if there's a for the new planet of the apes movie if there's some brand strategist out there at like i think it's like <laughs> is it paramount or fox i don't know if someone's uh, out there looking at this you just mentioned monkey squeaker game and they've yep. gone we need to put caesar in this we're gonna <laughs> apes, oh my god and they'll call the apes together strong and then you'll oh. have all the different evolutions going on i mean you know just give me a call the thing <laughs> is like, how how did it take us this long to merge like you said tetris and pokemon the idea being that you're dropping the pieces next to each other and the satisfaction of them all just doing little pops as they go next I'm to each other really it's curious very nice. like is this is this like so two questions right yeah, yeah, yeah um what is the most surprising fruit evolution you've had so far <laughs> and number two is this just um is this just 
a new iteration of Candy Crush. Are you being Candy Crushed right now? Well, that's the thing, right? Because we had the, the match three genre was the thing for the last sort of ten years, and then at the minute, um, it, it does it displays the evolutionary loop on the side of the screen, so you know what you're aiming for. Um, it maxes out at a watermelon. That's the biggest thing you can get. But you start with like berries, and then in the monkey one, you get a monkey hanging onto the berry. Uh, sorry, hanging onto the banana. But um, but then different. Um, you get different like. I don't know, lychees and stuff? There was some stuff that I didn't know what it was. I've definitely eaten it before, but I didn't know what the name of it was. So I'm just I'm just getting all the fruit, mate. But it's it's one of those things where the Suica game on Switch to recommend. If anyone else is getting into the fruit drop genre, Suica game's the best one. And the uh, it's called Watermelon Drop is the one that I've got on my phone, the monkey one. Um, that seems to be quite highly rated, but the physics aren't as good. They're not as weighty as in Suica game. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I feel like because I finally wrote all 4,000 words of the Game of the Year ranking, that I'm winding down by losing my mind playing Suica game so i've just i'm letting people know if you want to get into the get into the fruit drops it's good stuff get into the fruit fruit, those fruit drop activations you're all about them (laughs) those those key activations yeah yeah nice to e-meet you it's uh some green shoots of recovery pr is a whole language which me and you have been around uh, when we've had to interface with these types of people but there's a there's a language to pr that like certain people speak and at some point it's just incomprehensible Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, Scott. All of that fruit stuff—it's gone straight. I <laughs> can't. I, I don't. I don't even. I, I just. I mean, are we going to get to a point now? Where we're going to get fruit trading cards. Are we going to get people I, being mm. like, "Hey, here's my level five watermelon." Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I would take it. I'm waiting for the... I'm, the thing is, like, you know when Vampire Survivors blew up across last year? And then it was like, you sort of got a few... Like, later in the year, you got a couple of copycats. Like, there was a Doom clone. There was, like, an official Doom game that was done uh, Vampire Survivors style. And there's a Tomb Raider game as well. Um, like, they just they didn't really have a genre name, but, like, an auto-shooter or whatever. So I'm waiting for the, the Activisions, the Ubisofts, whoever, to, to latch onto this. Because there's clearly money in Pokemon Meets Terrorist. And then we'll see. We'll see how much they can rinse it dry. But I'm just saying, that's what my weekend was. Um, um, something else, though, that our weekends were is Robocop Rogue City, a game that continues to, well, have glitches in its cutscenes, but for the most part, it's pretty damn good. How are you finding it? Yeah, no, yeah, you mentioned the glitchy stuff there. Like, it's one of those where I'm like, this is a perfect example of a game that has glitches that are not <laughs> necessarily really, like, they're, they're a little bit annoying sometimes. There's, yeah. like, some some jank to it, mm. um, but it kind of just adds to the charm. You know, the lighting like effects in this game are actually gorgeous. I think I yeah. mentioned last time we spoke about it, I was doing it all in quality mode rather than performance mode because I just wanted to savor those those puddle reflections because they look so <laughs> great. But yeah, perfect usage of a license. It feels like the most Paul Verhoeven-y thing that we've gotten in like in terms of the Robocop franchise, like going on forward. Obviously he only directed the first movie. This mm-hmm. feels so spiritually in tune with that that it's honestly surprising because when it was first announced I just thought oh they're going to miss the point of Robocop aren't they mm. but no it totally does understand the point of Robocop and I kinda it's a like- great time yeah, I want to like hold it up as like a new bar setter. Like this is what it's like taking like a like a legacy IP, like a legendary thing, um, drilling down to the original essence of it, and then making something that because I I really love like you said the environments look awesome, the lighting, the effects, and everything. It is on Unreal Engine five, so it has like a, a general sort of um, like a baseline of quality. But in terms of how, like people's hairstyles or the things that they're wearing or whatever, it feels directly out of those movies. Like it is of a time, um, and I kind of love that. Like I love that every single um, group of thugs has a crazy hairstyle back from like the late 80s early 90s when every little miscreant was like into metal and they just had spiked <laughs> spiked collars or whatever that was the worst thing you could possibly be um and like, like i fought like a biker gang recently and you can pick up their bikes and throw them at each other the street vultures the street vultures and uh, there's the torch heads as well that all have hell like the dude from the prodigy and it's awesome and so i uh i just i find that it's mix of um different gameplay styles is the thing as well like you get on rail sections where you're just taking dudes out well not necessarily on rails but very like you know closed um closed area stuff but then you have like miniature open world bits you've got dialogue choices 
choices. You're solving little side uh, side missions. And then you have story-driven stuff where it's like, okay, I can't shoot in this area because I'm getting some story reveal or some sort of um, uh, not like some sort of memory-based flashback thing that uh, Alex Murphy himself is um, reacting to. And I just love that mix. I feel like it's it's ambitious, but only within a certain confine. But it knows exactly what it is, yes. and I, I miss that across the board. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we need more. Like, if you're going to do a licensed game, like uh, Taeon are doing it right with this, and obviously the Terminator mm-hmm. game they did the other year, which I haven't played, but I will definitely now be checking out. It's worse having... than this. I, I, yeah, this is way better. <laughs> in terms of, I think I mentioned it to you the other week. Like, I'm just happy with the licensed game if they get the sounds right. It's why I had a great time with Aliens Fire Team Elite because mm. even if your game is not that great, and that one was good, is a benchmark mm-hmm. for like alien co-op shooters is pretty fun it would have made it an fps rather than a third person shooter because it's mm-hmm. less scary as a third person shooter but by the by i can get away with any flaws as long as i can hear the pulse rifle go <laughs> and then it's the same with, with hearing robocop sort of nine go off and like you know just everything else about it um it just really like yeah just a fun time and it's kind of been a weirdly good year for verhoven movie game adaptations because there's the starship troopers game that's uh currently i correct me if i'm wrong it's currently in beta um, right. Okay. Or it's, it's, I know it's playable on PC. It's not. I don't think it's coming to consoles yet, which is a huge shame because I really mm-hmm. want to play it. Um, but yeah, good, good time for the Hoveny things. And obviously, the Helldivers sequel is coming out next year, and that's kind of seemingly Starship Troopers inspired mm-hmm. too. So, time for some more social satire and uh, sci-fi well, games like, again. You've got like the tonal stuff, which obviously the um, Taylor are like they've been allowed to nail. Like it's not. It doesn't feel corporatized. It doesn't feel like some publisher got in there and said, "Well, you need to have this this mechanic, this loop mechanic. Put this in. Have multiplayer. Do whatever." Like it just feels like a bunch of people knew exactly what they were making and they managed to execute on it. I'm very curious how it sells. Um, it seems like it's doing quite modestly. I mean, it's a very modest release anyway. And like we mentioned when we started talking about it, um, literally every time the camera cuts in a cutscene, it re-renders whatever it's looking at. And you can, see, if you go through frame by frame, you can see all the half faces and pixelated faces and stuff um, so that it does need another polish pass um, but only in regards to the cutscenes I find that it, it plays really really well however if you throw someone using the throw command next to a wall you'll just throw them through the entire building yeah, without they the, will. the wall reacting to them they will all. just literally disappear through everything <laughs> I've had like a few minor gameplay foibles as well there was one like uh, character choice that robo selected for me and then the game oh. punished me at the end of the level being like you chose the wrong thing and I was like well oh that's weird mate I, I, Peter Weller took over then that wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> um, which is slightly annoying but like by, by and large you know it's still a really fun time like I think yeah. like you know this from the presentation like we said is, is a little bit lacking but overall you know I'm having way more fun with this than I thought I would have with Same. a Robocop game it is a fun time and I, again like as someone who loves movies uh, and, and kind of has a fondness for the janky licensed game <laughs> era um, I'm down for more stuff like this being made if, as long as it, it has actual commitment to the license it's making a mm-hmm. game that makes sense for that license mm-hmm. then then absolutely go for it i was saying the other week i really hope that these guys could do maybe like a lethal weapon game where it's like a co-op third person shooter just so i can just shoot people and then a saxophone comes in and goes (laughs) like that and then i can go i'm getting too old for this and then move on i'm getting too old for this button like the scarface game had that swear button yes like like an old 80s quip button but um yeah i mean they're slowly carving their name out as like the the resurrectionist team of choice like i think they started with the rambo game which was terrible terminator was a lot better um and especially in regards to the production it was spot on and then robocop is genuinely very very recommendable and um, like we're mentioning some of the bugs and stuff but they do not outshine the good parts um whatsoever and i like all the different dialogue options that are in here like you um you do get to answer um like a couple of sort of therapist parts of the game as well where you're being asked specific questions about how much of the real alex murphy is in there do you just want to be full-on robocop um which kind of translate which um nicely goes into the other parts of the game where you're then just a walking death machine and no spoilers as well but they do actually like pay off later in the game when you because i think i'm close to the ending now but they do right. actually like the choices you make 
do actually matter. Like, some mm. of them feel, like, pretty inconse- inconsequential. Um, but the way that you really do get to, like you say, make your own interpretation of the character. Like, do you treat him as just the machine? Mm-hmm. Or do you kind of shoot for the humanity that was, you know, shining through and was really, like, one of the core guiding tenets of the original mm-hmm. Verhoeven film? So, yeah, no, it's 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 really fun. And, like, I... Yeah, I've, I've been having... I'm just really... Probably my biggest surprise of the year, if I'm being totally. honest. Totally. One of the things I was going to throw in is that um, in regards to the way that you upgrade stuff, like they pull, like there's a really cool system in regards to the the main gun that you have. It's like the, the A19. The, the, the Auto 9, mate. It's an iconic the one. prop. <laughs> I've not seen that movie in a long time. But that, that uh, pistol, you upgrade it based on chipsets. You're dropping in different percentage amounts into the chips. You're rewiring it in a way that would then unlock things like more gore, single shot, um, like um, whether the bullet splits into three, things like that, um, which is one cool thing. And then the other is that your main skills that you're unlocking go into whether you can maybe recharge health by... Um, going into like a circuit breaker that's in a level or whether you can open a safe or whether you can persuade someone when you're talking to them um, which has it's just the right amount of RPG-ness it reminds me a bit of um, it's like Deus Ex like it's like oh if mm. I you're walking through a level being like oh if I spec this way I could go I could have done that thing and it's like that's a good feeling to have in terms of um, like rewarding you immediately with the thing you just spent the point on what do you think that they should do after Robocop because they did DLC for Terminator so mm-hmm. maybe we'll get some Robocop DLC potentially that'd be pretty fun I know this one mm-hmm. feeds into Robocop 3 story um i again i I put out there i want a lethal weapon game but also i could maybe see them doing something good with blade runner like that's kind of like a sci-fi space they've already done terminator robocop blade runner would make sense maybe Mm -hmm. but i'm kind of here for i just want more 80s action inspired games give me that kind of stuff well the thing is it's a different genre but i'm going to shoot for the fences if that's a phrase and say the thing I want someone to do the thing well, and I want you to have all the dialogue options. Sorry, that I sounded here. like a cow then. <laughs> <laughs> the the um the agreeing cow, but I think like yeah, there hasn't been a thing game since two thousand five. I loved that thing when it first came you out. You loved that thing. I do love, I love that exact thing. It was a really good thing. I didn't even I wouldn't even have realized I said that without you saying that. But uh, yeah, I thought the thing was really really good. That thing. And so I think that if you did that again with the, the you take the dialogue options, you have the sort of general level of playing a character. And I think there, there would have to be a specific, it would have to be a different genre, but I think it'd be really cool to do the uh, the visuals that you have here, like focus on the Antarctic base. And like, I don't know, I just, I love the thing so much, uh, the 1982 one, that I would love that yeah. done in any, any I game I mean, if form. you're shooting for my fave boy, John Carpenter, then maybe we can get a big trouble in Little China game. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> I, I want to see more adventures of Jack Burton so I can do mm-hmm. more Jack Burton monologues logs and it's, I don't know if you've played the Shadow Warrior games, but um, the Shadow Warrior series uh, is right. very like Big Trouble in Little China, especially Shadow Warrior Three, where they had way more budget to have more fun with the quips and everything else. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, transition into some of the latest gaming news. This comes from Dusk Golem, regular Resident Evil leaker from over the past few years. Leaked some stuff in regard to Resident Evil Seven, Resident Evil Two remake, uh, and just Resident Evil stuff in general. Um, referring to what's ongoing about a Capcom mystery game. They, this comes from a Q and A that Capcom did, saying that they were going to be releasing a major video game before March 2024 and a lot of people assuming that it would continue the remake trend for Resident Evil maybe they're going to remake RE5 or whatever the hell it's going to be uh, Mr. Golem as he's formerly known um, weighed in and said that it's not that whatsoever said that it's not going to be a remake of Resident Evil whatsoever um, but there is going to be something released or sorry revealed at the end of 2023 now that kind of means that it has to be the Game Awards mm. um, also said it's yeah it's not a Resident Evil remake or it's not a Resident Evil thing in general 
And it seems like uh, whatever this thing is, I mean, if it's Capcom for me, I'm hoping Onomusha or I'm hoping Dino Crisis or those feel like the two obvious ones. And especially when we have the Game Awards window, you might as well do it with a really big audience. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I know it's kind of like been the pipe dream for years that it would be Dino Crisis. But I yes. feel like if you're looking at like what makes most business sense, we've just come off the back of like three very middling to bad Jurassic Park movies making billions <laughs> of dollars at the box office. Mm-hmm. You've got some really fun indie developed survival horror kind of like dinosaur games coming out the, the names escape me at the minute but like the actual game well there's the arc series as well i mean yeah, like dinosaurs in well. general should, yeah. should be so a it, bigger thing than they it, are. it would make sense to me if they were looking at doing dinosaur stuff because we're really wanting for stuff in that space mm. i think if you want to look at a triple a thing the best we've got is jurassic world evolution which again those mm. are really fun kind of park simulator builder games which you know really actually they were talking about good uses of the license like that is a good use of that license um but yeah, no, I think a Dino Crisis would be the one that would make the most business sense to me. But you mm-hmm. know, I, what do I know? I'm just, I'm just a I, humble Southern lawyer. I don't know what I, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just a Southern gentleman. I wonder uh, how much they think the Dino Crisis name is outdated or something like that. Because Dino Crisis Three was sort of legendarily mishandled. They took the whole franchise to space. They left the Dino Crisis Two cliffhanger um, wide open, um, and then Dino Crisis Three was like, like, like it was really mishandled in the development phase. They ended up giving the um, characters jetpacks and there was like a t-rex in space which should have been great but at the same time was very much not and uh yeah i can only double down on what you said i think the dinosaurs are sorely missing as as an enemy type in games um and the t-rex jump scare in the original dino crisis is iconic for a reason um i don't know if you played 2006's turk but i loved that weird little reboot they did i know it didn't go down very well but i thought the thing was really really cool Mm, yeah i mean i remember mates playing that one but it was never one that i personally checked out for me the best t-rex dino moment is in the peter jackson's king kong game where it shows up for the what first time. Oh, my, that noise you just made was like a perfect, oh. like, well, I know that I touched a good spot there. <laughs> I love that game, man. And I would love yeah. for something to recapture the the atmosphere, the creepiness, the, the kind of sense of, like, being powerless. Because I feel like the big mistake mm-hmm. that the video games make with dinosaurs, if they even have them at all, is that they tend to make them too fallible. Like, they make them too, yeah. too, too weak. So like the cannon point fodder. Where they kind of become, like... Um, xenomorphs which are on swarm they, they lose kind of some of their menace or whatever so i would mm-hmm. like to i would like to make them make them scary again i don't know how you do that because guns kind of you know organic matter plus bullets equals dead things so i don't know I'll how you, you what, make that well the thing you mentioned being scary as well i'm just thinking when dino crisis came out all first three of them we didn't have the latest scientific findings that they actually had feathers and all that stuff mm. and i know the jurassic park game or jurassic world movies have adapted to that over time but there is a potential that you're just fighting a bunch of large chickens mm. like i think it has to be done well like i think that like the original t-rex designs the original velociraptors things like that they were terrifying big old lizards coming at you with the razor sharp teeth and everything um i'm a, I'm a big feathers guy but i wonder whether that's a consideration no, as well. that would not. To be honest, i think you can make scary bird-like creatures i've seen some of the mock-ups that these artists have been doing for their, their bird dinos i think you can make it work i mean it really just depends it's all about like artistic license and how you interpret mm. their historical findings because there's still not consensus in the scientific community as to whether or not the t-rex right. was, a, was a cowardly scavenger or the actual apex predator or whatever so you know you can, you can do what you want with there as long mm-hmm. as like you know I, I i'm 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 down for more dino time i want more dino time basically <laughs> 
I think it's long overdue, and I think the amount of um, like strides that they've made on the Resident, the, the newest Resident Evil games, the engine that they made for those games, literally called the RE engine, um, is very, very malleable as a piece of kit and looks absolutely gorgeous. Like when I was playing through the Resident Evil 2 remake back in 2019, I was just like, this but with dinosaurs would be perfect. Um, like you don't need to do an isometric, you know, corridor-based horror. You can do the over-shoulder thing, um, and then you just need to nail the atmosphere. And it's like the all the low lighting stuff. And um, when you were exploring in RE2, I was like, just just add Velociraptors. I don't know how hard it is to put this stuff um, together. Alan. Um, Alan, <laughs> stay away from the dream sequences, though, if uh, we need to do that. Um, next news item down comes from Xbox era's Nick Baker, who said he's heard new information on Monolith's Wonder Woman game. Um, now, this is their f- I wanted to just note this. This is their first game since 2017 Shadow of War, and their second in almost 10 years, um, because uh, Shadow of Mordor was 2014. So they're kind of in the same pool as Rocksteady, where they're just underneath Warner Brothers just going, can we get something out for the love of God, please? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, and so we have this write-up over on, um, it's on the Xbox Era podcast, and Nick Baker's talking about it. He was a very, very reliable leaker over the years. Um, saying that he's seen the game, or at least um, in regards to the information that he's passing on, it's very much gameplay-based. Um, so he says the game looks a lot like Gotham Knights. Um, said there are some visual improvements, but that seems to be the, the nearest comparison. Um, you use the invisible jet, which is uh, Wonder Woman's signature invisible jet. Yes. Um, as a fa- <laughs> it's, it's mentioned as a fast travel method, so I don't think you're actually going to be piloting this thing. Um, but that would make sense if you think about something like Arkham Origins, you pick a place to go, it cuts scenes into the jet and go from there um, he says there's a general feeling of a good version of Crackdown in regards to the weight and the traversal and the jumping around um, which is a good comparison to make even though I disagree with the implication that Crackdown was never good in the first place um, he mentions that combat uses the lasso of truth to wrap around and slam enemies where uh, he mentions Insomniac Spider-Man's web attacks um, as a comparison uh, mentions that the world design includes mobs of enemies mini bosses things like that with chests and loot drops like boots braces torso gear coming with individual stats um, just like the newer God of Wars. Now, that's the bit that could go either way. The final thing here is that the game is currently running at 30 FPS, but the, the team are trying to target a 60 FPS performance mode. So there's a lot in here. Um, the bit about the loot chests and the drops and the loot stuff, that's the thing that lines directly up with David Zaslav, the CEO, wanting more games as a service, wanting more live service components. Um, and that was the thing that killed Gotham Knights in regards to the public perception of it. So thoughts on all this? It's interesting because I feel like of all the DC characters who you could lootify, Wonder Woman makes the most sense because her design over the years has gone through so many different iterations. Mm. You, know, you have like the classic look, you have like the biker look from the 90s, which I personally think is very Ooh. underrated. And then you have like the more armored looks that we've gotten in recent years. And if it's shooting for a mythological vibe and you you know, actually being play- uh, set in Themyscira and diving into different Greek realms, then, which I really hope it is, because I don't want it to just be a generic open world city thing. I need this mm. thing to lean into what makes Wonder Woman unique as a character. Mm. Um, then I guess it, that is conducive. It, like you say, it depends on how well they do it. If it's like how it was in, in you know, like a, if it's like a, a t- traditional, you know, RPG Assassin's Creed kind of thing where you just find things and you equip them, then that, that mm. makes sense to me. But if it leans more into the live servicey stuff, which, you know, we should say that they've come out and, and refuted is going to be in the game, then yep. that would be frustrating. The, the thing that I'm curious about is that I was not expecting the Gotham Knights comparison because mm. that... Um, 
I th I was hoping, well, I was thinking that they would lean more into kind of like a Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War adjacent style vibe because the sword combat in that game was so punchy and weighty yeah. and would lend itself so well to Wonder Woman. And they mentioned there the, the lasso being used in combat, which is what I really want. The, the thing that kind of maybe makes me a little bit anxious there is that they're comparing it to the web attacks from Spider-Man. And I like the combat in Spider-Man, fair enough, mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel especially weighty. And I feel if I'm going to be slamming people around with the Lasso of Truth, I want to see what cool physics things you can pull off with there, you know, wrap it around stuff, almost like the Lasso in the Red Dead Redemption games, but right. wielded by a super strong woman. Mm -hmm. um, I want to kind of see that involved. So yeah, the, the Gotham Knights comparison is, is curious to me, especially the the crackdown vibes as well. Although I guess you do want Wonder Woman to fly around and like be jumpy and stuff. I'm kind of worried now that we're just going to get a kind of a blanket open world <laughs> and it's going to just be Wonder Woman jumping around and doing things. I think the way you do a Wonder Woman game is to make it more linear and, and blend the Shadow of War oh, okay. with, with the Batman Arkham style approach. That's my personal opinion though. See, for me, yeah, I, I like the description of this. Like, I love the Crackdown games. Even Crackdown 3, I would say, is recommendable in terms of just being more Crackdown. Um, but it's one of those things where they need to nail the, um, the way that all these different components talk to each other. I think that the loot stuff is a potential cause for concern. Like you said, they did come out and say it's not going to be a, um, I forgot the exact phrasing, but it was, oh, it's not going to be a live service game or something like that. I personally think they'll just have a different name for it. There'll still be monetization over time. There'll still be seasons of content or something approximating that. It's my, only my personal thoughts on it, but I don't see Warner Brothers backing away from that when the CEO himself continues to want to run the thing into the ground. So um, I guess we'll see how that shakes out. But um, yeah, I like the idea of a, of a big open world um, set of traversal mechanics and then really good punch combat it gives me prototype vibes mm. i don't know if you played prototype yes. yeah, yeah. um but that game was it was very aggy it was very angsty i loved the damn thing um but that had a really good feeling of like drop in do some cool combat and then immediately you're back flying away or you're running up a building or whatever um hulk ultimate destruction vibes as well and so um, i would take a modern version of that like the freedom of that and as long as they can have it um be uh you know immediate when you're going from one thing to the next from traversal to combat then that could be really really cool um nick also mentions um that he's not sure about what's happening with the truth mechanic which has been mentioned quite a lot in the rumors um because of just the way that shadow of mordor and shadow of war handled enemies where you could grab any of them you could force them to your side and um, you could make them reveal different things um but it makes sense that if you're using the lasso of truth one of the characters signature powers that that would also come back in some form plus wb did trademark the nemesis system back in 2014 it's why we haven't seen it anywhere so you would assume that they're going to lead the charge with this that it'll be some sort of building an army doing some sort of factional warfare thing across an open world um, with, like you said, a superhuman, super strong person at the heart of it kicking the living hell out of everybody. So... I kind of like that. I'm I'm more on board with this than I was when it was announced. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Like, Wonder Woman's a really cool character. Like, even though I'm burnt out on superheroes in general, Same. like, there are so many great <laughs> Wonder Woman comics out there. Monolith, as we know, are a talented studio. If they are allowed to cook, they will cook something really cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm kind of, like, a, just surprised with the Gotham Knights comparisons because I wasn't expecting that. I'm um, not sure if he's just using it as, like, a fidelity thing. Because it's, mm. it's just a general sort of comment on, like, oh, you know, it looks, it reminds him of Gotham Knights. He thinks things will look better going forward. It just it just seems to be where they're at, mm. um, but because it wouldn't be the same engine anyway. They're, we're talking about different devs and everything, so it's just maybe it's just a go-to comparison in the moment on a podcast that maybe doesn't have you know as much meat to it as it might do when we think we finally see it. Um, my, we mentioned Game Awards before. Maybe we'll see something at the Game Awards. Assumedly, there's something ready to show. 
Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, next news item down is industry analyst over at Sykana, Matt Piscatella, noting that Alan Wake 2 was outside the top 150 games played on PlayStation 5. Um, that's been since launch. Um, the game hasn't, uh, still doesn't have a physical release either. Um, but I just wanted to throw this in. There's just more of a general discussion thing here because Alan Wake 2 is routinely held up as one of the best games of the year. It's in our top 20 that'll be coming out later in the year as well. And uh, it was nominated a lot of the Golden Joysticks um, the other week. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much not in the top 150, which puts it way down the, the run. Um, there's not a specific number for this, but Piscatella is a known industry analyst, so he's sharing those things. Um, and also it's worth throwing in that for the Black Friday sales, the Epic's own store had 33% off, even though the game was only a couple of weeks old. So um, I think it's one of those things where Remedies games are always word of mouth. Control struggled a lot at, the, at launch as well. Um, but general thoughts on Mr. Wake? I mean, this raises an interesting quandary, doesn't it? Because I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, the stats over the last few years have said that more people are buying digital compared to physical. Is is digital outpaced the physical market by that wider margin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) God, you can't really say that if it was in physical form more people would have been picking it up in shops or whatever mm, i don't know point. it's it's an interesting point because i think we all agreed that when alan wake 2 was announced it was a bit of a a surprise sequel announcement because i think alan yeah. wake the original alan wake while it has a cult following it's never really gone beyond though it's it was a good game kind of reputation i don't think people were holding up the original alan wake as a huge masterpiece and then we got the weird oh what to do as a huge masterpiece it's quite it's definitely a lot of charm to it and i'm a big alan wake fan but it's not really something that i was like that is one of the best games of the generation i think control far outpaces it in terms of you know pretty much every area Mm. and then you had the the direct-to-digital Alan Wake's American Nightmare thing, which mm-hmm. is like a weird arcade shooter. So maybe Alan Wake 2, people look at that, they already think of like a convoluted storyline, they've got to go back and obviously play Remastered. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things kind of going against its favour there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm so curious as well, because they, having finished Alan Wake 2, that game is confusing AF. Like, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you need to get absolutely stuck into it. It fundamentally relies on not only the original Alan Wake, but the American Nightmare DLC and Control. You need to have a really good, solid working uh, understanding of all three of those releases, at least I would say, to get something close to some purchase on what's going on in Alan Wake 2. Like, it, it fires out the gates with a load of information um, based on those previous titles, especially... Um, American Nightmare in regards to a specific character which I wasn't expecting that's the only thing I hadn't played no one played American Nightmare I know which I guess is kind of remedy going like well you know what we're going to make this fundamental and make you go and uh, hunt it down or whatever Um, but yeah for Alan Wake itself um, I feel like that represents the pivot point for remedy like you a lot of people know them as the Max Payne devs and then Max Payne 3 went to Rockstar and then they did Alan Wake which was a lot more um, surrealist a lot more Lynchian I mean Max Payne had those bits and pieces but Alan Wake was when they started really steering into it but because it was an Xbox exclusive licensing wise it was always held up for most of the 2010s and they only really got it back at the very end of the last decade um, and then Control was just full on like Remedy AF which is what I that's what I want from them um, but I wonder like I wonder if like there if, if there is that wing of the fandom that want another Max Payne or want something that's more straightforward and then when Alan Wake 2 is a survival horror that's a very surrealist experience and a lot of the discourse around it is just how confusing it is um, that makes it hard to pick up I mean there was bits and pieces of it especially in regards to the combat um, that I thought were very very messy and took a long, a long time to get used to. It doesn't knock, knock the overall quality, but it definitely does if you're a, a more casual fan. It doesn't help as well that it's released in a hugely busy holiday period for games. You know, it a came out a week after Spidey 2, like you just said. <laughs> uh, Call of Duty, even though that thing sucks, you know, that's a behemoth of an industry title. <laughs> People are going to be playing Call of Duty. I don't know. It feels like if I, were, if I was looking at the release of Alan Wake 2, I understand the compulsion to get your spooky game out in time mm. for the spooky season. 
I would I would have been personally delaying this until March next year or something. Basically, give it more of a clean mm. break to actually sit in and become you know that that game. And you, mm-hmm. I, I, I I want this game to be successful. I'm not I'm not actually played Alan Wake two yet because I've I've been like saving my money for the holiday period. Yeah. And I, I think you'll be indicative of yes. a lot of people either waiting for a holiday sale or just thinking like I'm not prioritizing it because of Spider Man two or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and like I want to replay through Alan Wake remastered again and also replay through Control, like you said, because you know these are <laughs> dense narratives that you need to make sure you're fully totally. invested into it to get to get the whole thing out of so mm-hmm. you know it, it's just a shame i want i, I want I want you know remedy like one of our great game studios i need them to be doing well and it's a shame that yeah i think maybe you know there was a lot of things going against its favor in terms of finding mm-hmm. a widespread mainstream audience again i would have basically been putting this until i would have i would, I would personally have delayed this until next year as soon as that right. initial delay came and we were thinking of like having it around the spider-man kind of window mm-hmm. i i think it should have been moved along what i want to mention as well is the um i mentioned the fact that you need the work and knowledge of the previous games because they have only steered into and, and sam lake you know the, the one of the head writers like one of the um i forget what his specific title at remedy is in terms of how far back he goes and um, a very important dude you know very much the author of alan wake kind of thing and um, or remedy um said that you know he's very excited about the remedy shared universe stuff and that does come into play across alan wake too um but i wonder if that has the opposite effect on the way that it used to feel when the mcu was rolling out where we used to enjoy picking up the pieces to get the full picture where I was like now nah, it's a bunch of homework and you've got to go watch all these other things um and I'm weird with it mm-hmm. like it's it's not that I don't uh you know lose my mind when certain uh I'm gonna keep it very vague companies or entities are mentioned in Alan Wake 2 and then whatever happens from there but it only works if you've been there and done the reading or done the things before I wonder how much that works against them yeah I mean it's a novelty isn't it I feel like yeah. it's like it feels like a pointless addendum to have these it's cool when Alan Wake and Control crosses over I mm-hmm. guess I don't know if that's at the forefront of people's minds when they look at this sort of stuff um but yeah i feel like again as as the mcu has shown over the last few years the more you build that house of cards up um the more difficult (laughs) those house of cards are to actually get Mm -hmm. into and then ultimately the easier they are to kind of collapse around them so yeah i don't know because it's not really necessarily fully telegraphed that these they've got like this intricate like shared universe thing going on Mm. um the, well, uh, they did. It's it's, it's funny because they got the they got the license back, the IP back for Alan Wake, and then they did the Alan Wake DLC for Control, which was the first crossover thing that we'd had. And then Alan Wake Two has quite a lot of that stuff going on. Um, but like you said, it's not like you're going in knowing that you should have done the previous things. Like the MCU kind of worked for that period of time because it was it was expected, even if they didn't advertise it, saying you better watch these other three things. That was part of the conversation. Um, and Alan Wake Two does work by itself. It's just that I would say you, you're so much better off if you know the previous ones. Um, but yeah, there's a. It's an interesting thing trying to. Uh, I, I ask quite a lot of someone. Just go. Oh, I guess I'll check this out. It's been recommended, and then immediately not having any idea what's going on. Um, and then one of the best things that it does is that if you play Control after, like I've been replaying Control after finishing Alan Wake Two, that retrospectively um, works as a sequel. They kind of both complement each other, so it almost doesn't matter which mm. one you play first. But we're still talking about a very dense, convoluted, messy narrative um, that you've really got to spend the time unpicking to, um, like I said, to find some purchase on it um but yeah as of right now it's not um being played very much um, at least on playstation and i guess we'll see what happens going forward um i wanted to talk about ubisoft and the thing that happened with the uh, assassin's creed pop-up advert i don't know if you saw this <laughs> i caught a glimpse of it it popped up in my feed today 
Oh God! So yeah, so apparently um, towards the end of last week, um, a lot of people who were playing uh, one of the only games that was re- reported that this happened in was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, but it was reported quite a lot that some players, when they went to bring their map screen up, it instead loaded loaded a pretty much eighty twenty split in terms of the amount of screen size it was taking up. A pop up advert of Assassin's Creed Mirage advertising it for the Black Friday week and saying um, that it was like twenty percent off or something like that. Um, and immediately a lot of people said, "Don't for the love of God put pop up adverts in my game! What the hell are you guys doing?" Um, Ubisoft got out there and replied across the weekend saying that this was a result of a technical error that we addressed as soon as we learned of the issue um, and they said it wasn't intentional I don't know how it couldn't be intentional how did what, you misplace the pop-up coding in a different like what are you talking about um, I tell you what's really interesting coming out of it though is that going into the next few years Ubisoft are planning the Assassin's Creed Infinity platform which is an ongoing thing that's happening across the board like Call of Duty is becoming Call of Duty HQ you can see it on modern, how Modern Warfare 3 isn't its own executable it goes through Modern Warfare 2 or it goes through the Call of Duty launcher um, I wonder whether it's it's, uh, it's that's what they want to do get you on a platform advertise one game while you're playing the other one um, and try and have that almost cyclized, almost reciprocal sort of you're stuck in the loop of advertising thing once they've got you sat there yeah it feels like that way to me I think that yeah very dubious to be like oh I'm sorry this was a this was a glitch the pop-up glitch that you couldn't have foreseen coming through it seems like okay you've you very sneakily put some very aggressive advertising in your <laughs> game through the most you know commercially active period of the year i don't buy it personally no. speaking uh, and yeah it does kind of feel like they're moving into that platform thing i don't like the idea of pop-up stuff because that gives me the ick However, I yep. do kind of have a little bit of nostalgia for that period in time. I don't know if you recall at the end of the 2000s where if you were playing a game like Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, you would... <laughs> this is such a niche game. Nostalgia. This is this. such a niche gaming memory. Um, but if you were in one of the levels of Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2 or like in the multiplayer as well, you could come across like old newspapers or poster billboards that were advertising mm-hmm. movies. And the last update for that game, it was advertising the Transporter 2 with Jason nice. Statham. That in itself to me is kind of funny. <laughs> it's probably also really, really cursed. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as long as it's not like aggressively popping up, like I don't want to have to click away from adverts just to navigate a part of the game. Like that's stupid. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you're fundamentally getting in the way of a gameplay loop or in the way of like the, the user experience. I, I, it's, I can't think of any real way to make it palatable. Um, the way you described that thing reminded me of the conversation around when, uh, I think it was when Burnout Paradise was coming out. It's the exact and same the idea that. Yeah. Yeah, the idea that EA would swap out the billboards so that you would see more up-to-date adverts. And it does happen quite a lot in sports games. Um, but that was a whole thing across the, the 2000s, early 2010s, the idea of how do we maximize the person, whatever they're looking at, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, for Ubisoft, I wouldn't trust them to not do this. We know they're making Assassin's Creed Infinity anyway, so I guess we'll see what that thing turns into. Um, but I just wanted to mention that. They say it's a, it's a technical error for now, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that just is their future going forward. The last thing is uh, Bloober Team, uh, the, the developers of the Silent Hill 2 remake, uh, recently putting out one of the you know those like apology doc jpeg images that keeps doing the rounds mm-hmm. um so we always we always knew when we see one of them that it's going to be relating to a delay and it is in this case um they said that they are delaying the game uh, i didn't for my knowledge it didn't have a concrete release date i think this a few things have been mentioned but i feel like it was over the, the past few years since the game was announced and then the conversation around it it didn't feel like there was a specific date they were mm. you know actually gonna nail um but they said overall they're waiting for more information from publisher konami before uh, continuing before proceeding which is an interesting turn of 
phrase um, when you're the developers. However, um, this does come after <laughs> the Pyramid Head Origin DLC was leaked, um, which is <laughs> one of the many things that they're trying to bull onto the idea of a Silent Hill 2 remake. And I guess we'll see how true all that stuff is. But the general reception to the Silent Hill 2 remake has been mixed at best anyway. Um, and I, I like Bloober Team. I've liked their stuff so far. I like Observer. Um, you know, I, I thought the Blair Witch game was quite ambitious. Like, I like them as a little team doing what they can. But the general reception to Silent Hill 2 remake has been oh dear god get them off it and uh i wonder where the idea of a a pyramid head origin story came from um i forget the name of the dude but the guy that actually came up with pyramid head the artist back in the day tweeted saying i wish i never created pyramid head oh my god it's just being passed around now is like silent hill 2 just is pyramid head apparently and there's nothing else to it um but yeah thoughts on all this stuff it's curious. You mentioned there that it is weird the wording of the delay announcement. What was it? Waiting for word from Konami, or yeah, they're waiting for more information from publisher Konami before proceeding. That... <laughs> I added the proceeding, but they're waiting for more information from Konami right now. Th- this... There's a whole, like I said, there's a whole uh, JPEG image uh, about how they're considering the release and we're going to be delaying it or pushing it back and considering things. And it's like it just reads like a studio that is kind of reeling from the general reception across the year. And then also um, some of the leaks, like I mentioned, and just the idea that maybe they don't really know what the hell the Silent Hill 2 remake is supposed to be. This this seems so dumb like as a statement to put out all it does is cause more confusion it it put casts more doubt on the project it Mm -hmm. makes you feels like it makes the job harder for the actual developers themselves because why would you put a statement out if you don't even know what konami's response to all this backlash and stuff is then (laughs) yeah that's really silly i don't understand why they've made it harder for themselves with this statement like it's not like transparency is like good to a certain degree, but this essentially is them saying, we have nothing to say right now other than <laughs> we don't think we're ready to actually take this project on at the state that it needs to be, and we've told our bosses about it, and we'll see what they get back to us with. That just comes across yeah. as really, yeah, not good. It's also after uh, the Sound Hill Ascension stuff went down like a lead balloon. Like, that thing st- is still going. That thing's still a live service. Um, but that whole idea of that game, quote-unquote game, um, is that it's an ongoing story. It updates. I forget the exact amount of seasons it has. I think it's four. Um, but fans can go on that. They can watch a bunch of in-game cutscenes with what looks like AI-generated dialogue based on the, the clips that are being shared around um, and then try and vote on the way the story is going to play out. And initially, when they did that big Konami reveal stream last year, this Ascension thing was meant to be the bedrock of the new of the uh, the canon going forward and everyone's meant to have input on the different choices and assumedly who lives or dies or whatever um and i wonder because that thing's been received so sourly whether that is impacting the way that the overall silent hill push is uh, going forward um i wouldn't put it past konami to just be like we don't know what the hell we're doing and we got it wrong and we're just gonna pull all these get the men out <laughs> everything's gonna blow up over there so get them back what, bring our boys home what are konami man what why <laughs> even konami like please no how do we never use con army to this point do, that would have been the most that was thing. that was a complete slip on my behalf but that is all <laughs> Also really good. <laughs> we'll see what shakes out with it, but um, yeah, like I said, people already aren't big fans of Bloober, um, and I think the way that the Sound Hill EP is being handled, with Ascension being the first you know new thing of this new revivalist movement, uh, didn't seem to go down very well. So we'll see. Um, for now, though, this has been the wind up. I've been Scott Tailford. That's been you, Patterson. Go find Sweeker Game, and we'll catch you throughout the week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>